The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. I've not understood a word you've just said. What is it, some sort of computer game? In a sense, except it uses the most powerful processor known to man, the human mind. <laughs> now you're not playing. I'm not a player, but I am playing. <laughs> he sort of tells us what's happening. I will be your guide. I still don't understand what this game is. It seems gay. Here are your character sheets. John 1, you're a unicorn man. John 2, you're a wood fairy. And Phil, you're the gypsy assassin Esmeralda. I'm a woman. <laughs> I don't think I want to be a woman. Just go with it. It will end. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, July 28th, 2022. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Back in late May, early June, a fellow named Matt Walsh produced a movie documentary entitled What is a Woman? And public reactions to and criticisms of the movie has, in my humble opinion, while often correctly identifying its dangerous results and consequences, failed to identify the root cause of the stunningly revealing phenomenon captured in that movie. When asked a simple question like, the title of the documentary, What is a Woman? The vast majority of healthcare professionals, university and college professors, and certainly members of the public were completely unable to even attempt to define the word woman. They either couldn't do it or they refused to do it. In their world of gender dysphoria, their brains have been short-circuited to a point where they can no longer function or identify the reality of what a simple word like woman means. But more significantly than that is the sheer terror and discomfort that they experience when confronted with simple kindergarten-level definitions. And addressing this terror is the real story behind all the others. And I've come to believe that the cause of this terror is the fact that people are hardwired, quote-unquote, to reality, whether they like to acknowledge it or not. They cannot separate themselves from reality no matter how hard they try. Now, hardwired, of course, is just a metaphor. But in observing the fear and terror experienced by those who refuse to acknowledge reality, and that they're part of it, that they're hardwired to it, I cannot help but come to the conclusion that in the process of denying reality, those who do so become unreal themselves. Not that they don't exist, no, because they become dysfunctional and dangerous to themselves and to others around them, and worse than that. They often become evil to the core. So, for those of us who want to avoid their fate, or worse, to become victims of their unreality, let's follow the science of determining the real from the unreal, shall we? That science is called epistemology, and it is the key to resolving all of the questions that seem to so puzzle and confuse our social scientists, professionals, and academics on issues and questions that otherwise would seem to be self-evident. 
It all begins right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of our social media links and archive broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. I thought we'd just begin with a simple quick definition of what epistemology is. And then, before expanding on its implications, we'll review a few examples of why today's society really needs an epistemological revolution. This, from Ayn Rand's lexicon, quote, Epistemology is a science devoted to the discovery of the proper methods of acquiring and validating knowledge. Two questions are involved in every conclusion, conviction, decision, choice, or claim. What do I know? And how do I know it? It is the task of epistemology to provide the answer to the how, which then enables the special sciences to provide the answers to the what. In the history of philosophy, with rare exceptions, epistemological theories have consisted of attempts to escape one or the other of the two fundamental questions, which cannot be escaped. The truth or falsehood of all man's conclusions, inferences, thought, and knowledge rests on the truth or falsehood of his definitions. End quote. And with that simple definition and context established, let's listen to a demonstration of why we need the science of epistemology to rescue us from our age of irrationality and unreality. Now I have to warn you, that what you're about to hear can be truly painful and infuriating, especially if you already know what a woman is. And I was in great pain while preparing these audio bites for for, for our show today. You know, I recall when I first sat down to watch Matt Walsh's What is a Woman, I didn't think I'd last more than five minutes into the first interview, especially since the questions raised by Matt seemed superficial and simplistic on the surface, you know, like boring. But then I saw... The pure irrationality and hatred, yes, hatred, directed back at him for simply asking for a definition. And remember what we just heard about the significance of accurate definitions. Suddenly, I realized that I myself was being confronted by a reality I'd rather not acknowledge. Namely, that there are such irrational people not only living among us, but in positions of authority and with a right to vote and I found myself glued to the screen for the entire 90 minutes or so of the movie, and you should watch it too. But here's our first sampling. I like to come out here to think. Nature seems to always tell the truth, even when we don't want to hear it. Truth is, I'm not very good at fishing. But what is truth? Is there a truth? Is this what progress looks like? Can my boys really become girls? Do I have four daughters? Do I now have to pay for four weddings? Is there a son trapped in my daughter's body? If so, how do I get him out? Are any of my kids who they claim to be? Who are these people? Who am I? I better see a therapist. In the state of Tennessee, I'm a licensed marital and family therapist. 
which basically means I've been trained up to think about like systems, family systems, how we were raised up, how that shapes who we are today. So on your website, if you'll, if you'll bear with me, sure. quoting, you say, I use a combination of approaches in my therapeutic work, including anti-oppression, feminist, and narrative frameworks. I rely deeply on systems theory and understanding that individuals are products of and in dialogue with our surroundings, including our families, broader culture, workplaces, nature, and political climates. What uh, does that mean? Yeah, um, so thinking about the modalities that I use, um, I'm definitely informed by like feminist um, family therapy um, and the ideas that um, we live in gendered worlds where there are certain imperatives that are placed on us about who we are and what we do based on how we've been gendered. From the minute I was assigned female, I was told, okay, these are the kind of clothing that you're going to wear. These are the kind of the, the type of play that you're going to engage in as a child, um, the path that maybe your life will take because of social expectations. What do you, what do you mean by assigned female? Who, who assigns female? Yeah, so um, most times people, when they're born, um, they're assigned a gender by the, the doctors. doctors. Yeah. Like, what, do they, what do they base that? assignment on so basically it's it's based on genitalia um so people looking at genitalia and deciding okay this is a, a girl or a boy um and we know now that like that sex and gender are so much more than just this binary some women have penises right some men have vaginas um that that that's not how how gender works how do we know that how do we know that that's not true where, where do we where did we learn that from? Yeah, well, we I, I learned that um, from hearing from transgender people who've said, like, oh, I'm a trans woman. Um, and just because I happen to have a penis, right, that doesn't mean that this is, like, who I am as a person. Um, or, or that genitalia doesn't equal gender. Um, who they are, their gender, their gender expression, um, that, yeah, a trans woman is a woman. With the fluidity of these things, how do I know if... If I'm a woman, you know, I. I That's a great I like, question. I like scented candles. And yeah. I've watched Sex and the City. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how do I know? Yeah, Matt, that question right there, like that question is like when it's asked with a lot of curiosity, right? That's the beginning of a lot of people's like gender identity development journeys. If my mom who gave birth to me is a woman. And my wife is a woman, um, though I haven't asked her. Maybe I should. Um, but if they're all women, and also the boy who sits down with you and says, I, I think I'm a girl, actually is one, then, then what is a woman? Mm. Yeah. Great question. I'm not a woman, so I, <laughs> I can't really answer that. I thought therapy would make me less confused. My name is Michelle Forcier, um, and I have a medical degree from University of Connecticut Residency, University of Utah Pediatrics, and I've worked for a number of different Planned Parenthoods for 20 years. I do advanced contraception and abortion, as well as gender hormones, and sort of looking at the whole sort of schema of gender, sex, and, and reproductive um, justice. So you've done a lot of work in this field. Could you just start by telling us? Sure. Uh, at what age can a child first begin to transition into another gender or identify themselves as a gender different from how they were born? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's research and data that show that um, babies and infants um, understand differences in gender. 
Some children figure out their gender really early. And the reason why we are say, oh, that's, that's interesting or important is because they're figuring out their gender identity is not necessarily congruent with their sex assigned at birth. When the, when the doctor sees the penis and says, this is a male, has the sex of male, that's an arbitrary distinction. Telling that family, based on that little penis, that your child is absolutely 100% male identified, no matter what else occurs in their life, that's not correct. So what is gender affirmation care? You're a big proponent of, if we walk through, yeah. a child is sitting down with you, is questioning yeah. their gender. What's the gender affirmation process? Affirmation means that as a pediatrician, as someone who says my job is to provide the best medical care for you, is I need to listen really carefully. And how I put it in words for kids so that they can understand it is tell me your story. Where have you been in terms of your gender and your gender identity? Where are you right now? And more excitingly, where would you like to be in the future? Have you ever met a four-year-old who believes in Santa Claus? Mm-hmm. So this is someone who believes that a fat man is traveling through the sky on a flying reindeer at lightning speed, coming down his chimney with presents. Yeah. Would you say that this is someone who maybe has a tenuous grasp on reality? They have an appropriate four-year-old handle on the sure. reality Agreed. that's very real for them. Agreed. Agreed. But Santa Claus is real for them, but yeah. Santa Claus is not actually real. Yeah, well, and, but Santa Claus does deliver their Christmas presents. Well, yeah, but he's not real, though. To that child, they are. When I see a child who, you know, believes in Santa Claus, and then, let's say this is a boy and he says, I'm a girl. Mm -hmm. This is someone who can't distinguish between fantasy and reality, so how could you take that? as a reality. I would say that as a pediatrician and as a parent, I would say how wonderful my four-year-old and their imagination is. Aren't kids famous for their active imaginations? Should we really let our children define reality? Congressman Mark Ticano. Trans Month of Visibility is a time to recognize the strength, diversity, and resiliency of the transgender community. Together, we can make our country and our world a more accepting place by speaking out against transphobia at the source and supporting the trans community by getting the Equality Act signed into law. Congressman, thank you for, for being here. Thanks for joining us. You are the first member of Congress who's a member of the LGBT community and also a person of Asian descent. You're also a big proponent of the Equality Act. Yes. Um, what is the Equality Act? If you were to just summarize it very briefly, I know it does a lot. The most simplest way to talk about the Equality Act is that it simply amends the 1964 Civil Rights Act to include sexual orientation and gender identity. So public accommodations um, is one area. What's a way that someone who's LGBT is, could be discriminated in public accommodations currently? Currently, um, you know, public accommodations is the whole area of, um, you know, hotels and motels and... Bathrooms and sports teams, is that 
I say bathrooms, yeah. sports teams, athletic events. Let's get into more specific policy issues. There, there are some women who say, and I've, I've talked to a few who say this. They say, hey, you know, I'd like some privacy in the bathroom. Uh, I'd prefer not to encounter you know, naked penises, frankly. Uh, they say even that the penis is a telltale sign that someone is a male. I mean, there, there are people who kind of really bought into the, to the rumor that um, only men have penises. What, how do we account for that? How do you respond to that? Um, well, um, well, what I would say is that uh, most transgender people uh, that I know, um, and it's a very, I think, distinct minority of people. It's a very, it's a, it is a, it is a very, I think, uh, we're talking not about a lot of people. Um, I think a person who wants to use a woman's bathroom who identifies as transgender really does think of themselves as a female. So how we go about trying to, um, you know, uh, respect their basic right to live, I think will be an, an important part of this law. And um, With bathrooms, law. well, wait a minute, ba bathrooms are, bathrooms are, you know, where you want to take this conversation instead of the basic right to this life is something that I'm kind of mystified that you're kind of not focusing on first. So we're going straight to the controversy over bathrooms. Um, hmm. So, you know what? I think this interview is over. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think, I think this interview is over. I just had one last question. Uh, what, well, I, 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 what, the interview is over. Please we want to know what, what is a woman? Please let's turn off the cameras. Excuse me. So we're going to end the interview. If you guys could please pack up and return the office exactly. I just wanted to know. Okay, I came all this way to know what. Thank you. Fair I just wanted to know what is a woman. And you're not going to find out. Wow. Talk about binary. And that, ladies and gentlemen, yes, another binary, is just the tip of the iceberg of today's cognitive meltdown. Remarkable how Congressman Mark DeCan can say bathrooms are where you want to take this conversation instead of a basic right to life. Because what he's saying is that the basic right to life of the women who object to men being in their assigned, yes, assigned, washrooms is to be violated. Their freedom of association, which always includes the right not to associate, completely disregarded in favor of some imagined right of a person suffering with a gender dysphoria. And if I may say what very few are willing to, those three people we just heard interviewed by Matt Walsh are, to put it politely in the vernacular, they're nuts. Being crazy or nuts doesn't mean a lack of intelligence. Some of the nuttiest people I've met over the years were or are extremely intelligent, but they're nuts. <laughs> Disconnected from reality in a way that prevents them from functioning in certain aspects of life in those areas of reality from which they've disconnected themselves. And in those areas, that makes them dangerous to themselves and to others. And of course, a lot of evil people are intelligent too. This is why I kind of like the hardwired to reality metaphor. 
It's sort of like a computer, you know, the physical hardwired operating system may be functioning perfectly, but the software, the concepts and definitions with which that mind is programmed is completely faulty. When applied to the test of reality, or put through the process in a computer, as the robot on Lost in Space might have said, it does not compute, Will Robinson. <laughs> when a computer's software or program files are corrupt, then the computer is effectively dysfunctional or disabled. Garbage in, garbage out. And that too is the nature of an epistemological mental illness. In the same way, when human beings are operating on corrupt concepts, they too become corrupt, perhaps first only in a dysfunctional sense. But if persistent in operating on corrupt concepts, they become corrupt in a moral sense as well. You know, that first therapist, who was clearly a woman, when asked, what is a woman, replied, great question, I'm not a woman, so I can't answer that. <laughs> wow. Not only is that irrelevant to being able to define any word or concept, but her response tells me she's lying and that she knows it. Otherwise, she'd answer the question. She's not a cat or a dog, so is she also incapable of defining those terms? I wish someone had asked her. Definitions terrify her because they reveal the truth that she is knowingly denying because she's hardwired to this truth. And that makes her immoral. That's why she asserts that one's sexual identity is simply assigned to them by people like her or others and that such matters are beyond definition. And here is her explicitly stated epistemology. We know now that sex and gender are just more than this binary, and we learned it from hearing it from transgendered people. Remember, epistemology is a science devoted to the discovery of the proper methods of validating knowledge. And the two questions involved are, what do I know and how do I know it? Well, in her own words, what she knows is that sex is not binary. And how she knows it was by hearing it from transgendered people. <laughs> that's, that's insane. It does not compute. Think about it. Trans what genders? Blank out. Because she's hardwired to know that the answer to that question is a binary. Then we hear from Michelle Forcier uh, of the University of Connecticut, who asserts that babies and infants understand differences in gender. This is so evil to its core that she should be immediately removed from having any direct contact with children, and I'm not kidding. But that's just the what of her knowledge. How did she know it? Again, in her own words, through affirmation, asking kids about their gender stories. And then she asserts, yeah, Santa is real to the child. This woman's nuts. <laughs> Not only is she operating on the primacy of consciousness, but she accepts as reality what children are telling her, who are also acting on the primacy of consciousness, who are actually, and in her own words again, using their imaginations to determine reality. And she's teaching them that that is reality. That's an extremely dangerous person. In the binary world of philosophy and ideas, there are only two categories of thought and thinking. Those based on the primacy of consciousness, as was represented by Plato, or those based on the primacy of existence, as represented by Aristotle. Under the primacy of consciousness, reality is determined by one's thoughts and feelings. Under the primacy of existence, 
Reality is determined by what exists, irrespective of what anyone might believe or feel about it. And in that light, I have to reconsider a popular expression often used in connection with, with, with wackos, let's face it. You know, we're very accustomed to saying that people are out of their minds when they are acting irrationally or bizarrely. But it occurs to me now that precisely the opposite is the case. They're not out of their minds. They are helplessly or intentionally locked inside their minds, operating on that primacy of consciousness. For them, reality is determined by their feelings and whims, which, scientifically speaking, is about as unscientific as you can get. And when acting on their unreal and false beliefs, they come into contact with an opposing reality, they become fear-ridden and hostile towards anyone who's able to call them out on it. In politics, the primacy of consciousness is the fundamental operative principle of everything on the left. Everything on the left side of the political polarity. While the primacy of existence is the operative principle of the right. But the unassailable proof of the supremacy of the primacy of existence over that of consciousness is that existence never ends, while consciousness does. And when someone's thoughts, beliefs, or ideas change, reality doesn't. Loss of the meaning of words is the end of communication. Some people say that loss of the meaning of words is the end goal. In the confusion, uh, there is no reality. In the confusion, all is subjective. And if you deny someone's subjective feelings, some, someone's subjective interpretations, you are advocating violence against them. That's how, that's how when words lose meaning, everything is whatever you want it to be and nothing is as it is. Uh, Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. It, would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, it's, we can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important. Because by the way, pause that there. She went from saying that his holly's words open up transgender people to violence and in order to substantiate that claim remarked and rightly so on the high rate of self-harm among trans uh, individuals non sequitur but the allegation and the accusation is already out there so, but wait for the punchline of this is it my line of questioning because so we can't talk about it because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist I'm it's denying that trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that the, uh, men can get pregnant? Do you believe that men can get pregnant? That is the question that this, this professor just asked. Let me just, let me just play it again. Are you? Having pregnancies. Do you believe that the, uh, men can get pregnant? 
No, I don't think. <laughs> so you are denying that trans people like this. Thank and you. that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you, Absolutely. or are they also treated like this? Where no, 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 they're, they're told that to they're at opening up people to oh, violence. We have a good time in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow, I, I would learn a lot. I've learned <laughs> you, a lot. I know. This exchange. Absolutely. Uh, do you deny that men can get pregnant? Do you deny that men? can get pregnant or do you believe that men can get pregnant no i don't because by definition of the words men can't get pregnant therefore you're denying that trans people exist set aside the lunacy of the first question do you believe that men can get pregnant let's just say that for whatever the crazy reason i do not believe that men can get pregnant. Let's just say for whatever the whatever delusional thoughts I have in my head, I don't think that men who lack uteruses and typically carry penises can get. Let's just say that I have that crazy thought: men cannot get pregnant. How does that go from there to denying that trans people exist? At worst, that would deny that trans men or men who transition to women could not get pregnant and they maybe a crazy thought they can't nothing wrong with it no judgment there are women who can't get pregnant that the pregnancy is not the defining element of a woman it's the defining potential of female species in general as we once learned way back in another stream it's an exception to the rule but doesn't redefine the underlying principle do you believe that men can get pregnant? No. Then you're denying that trans people exist. Nobody is. Trans people exist. We all recognize that. And nobody advocates for violence. No reasonable person advocates for violence. But then, but then this idea of, um, well, then you're promoting violence by denying, by not recognizing what I say, by contradicting or... Uh, disagreeing with me you're promoting violence that's not a reflection of holly that is a reflection of what this individual thinks and one might want to conclude how that individual might think towards others it's it's this is one of those cases of a fear hiding a wish but also like a serious case of projection where if she thinks that holly by denying her statement is advocating for violence that might be because that's exactly how that person's framework operates uh, well, and yes, Viva, scary to think that this woman is a teacher. Th this is the other underlying learning lesson in all of this. This is what's going on at schools where I can have this professor who on my exam might cross off Ms. and put doctor telling my children men can get pregnant. Okay, I mean, in a Heideggerian flipping of the definitions of terms, up is down and down is up. If you just change the meaning of words, if you just change, if you change reality to meet your, to, to reconcile with your perspective, okay, fine, then it, that's fine. Just change the meaning of a, of a man then. Man now no longer means uh, whatever the scientific definition is, uh, like gametes or something. I don't know. Just change the definition. Man means any, uh, includes, includes women. Man includes that which can get pregnant of the human species. And this idea that it's that, what was I just about to say? 
that it did not if if you don't believe a man can get pregnant you deny that trans people exist let me throw this back at you professor if you have the audacity the scientific disingenuous dishonesty to say that men can get pregnant you're denying that women exist checkmate I know you had good reasons for giving me this award. I should never have done that interview. But that journalist had an agenda. There's more. Women are a kind of savage animal who men have civilized with their insatiable sexuality. What don't you like about that? <laughs> Women are essentially no different from radiators. <laughs> I like my women like I like my toast. Hot and consumable with butter. You don't have to remind me. I'm all too familiar with my misguided words. You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. And we've been talking about not just misguided words, but completely misguided minds and ideologies. You know, up until this point in my life, the only gender issues I ever had were with the French and German language. La la derdy dus, you know. <laughs> I can't even imagine what a trans ideology would do when confronted with those gender considerations. Is a chair masculine or feminine? Is a chair even a chair or is it a table? I guess it'll depend on what gender someone assigns to the chair. Something a lot easier and logical to do when you don't have genitalia and chromosomes to deal with. Your line of questioning is transphobic and opens up trans people to violence, says Professor Bridges to a congressional hearing. Or in other words, if I answer your question honestly, the truth might emerge, making everything I've been saying null and void. <laughs> Do you believe that men can get pregnant? Well, the proper and correct answer to that question is whether I believe it or not. Men cannot get pregnant, as David Freiheit clearly enunciated, by definition, and definitions is what this is all about. A simple belief or lack thereof does not determine the reality of anything. We're talking about gender in society. Let me start with a real basic question. What is a woman? A woman? <laughs> I don't want to assume, but you guys are all yeah, women? We're all women. Yes, yes, we're women. So how would you define it, like in the simplest terms? That is hard. Yeah, it is. It is a stumper. A woman is someone that likes to be pretty and think of themselves as a delicate creature. I'm pretty and delicate. Okay. <laughs> I could be a woman too. Yes, you could. Defining womanhood is just a project of someone who identifies as a woman. Yeah, but what, like, what do they identify? You see what I'm saying? What do they identify as? They identify as a woman, but what is that? It's a simple question. So why is it so hard to answer? One reason that so many people could not define what a woman was, I think, is because they were confusing the term defining identity, the word woman, with a term describing behavior, masculine or feminine or otherwise. But more fundamentally, 
Failing to have the proper definitions at their disposal, they were unable to even address the question, since they had no way to even think about it. They don't have the necessary software to express what they already know is the reality of the situation. That's because they've never followed the science of epistemology, which is, by the way, about far more than just definitions. If I say that I, I feel a certain way, then obviously you can't tell me I don't feel that way. Yeah. But just because I feel that way, does that mean it's, that it's true? I mean, if it's your reality. Okay. I, yeah, if it's your it's reality. It's truly like none of my business. So we all have our own Identity. realities? What if I said, I want you to say that it's true that I'm a woman? Would you say that? Okay, you're a woman. I would also say that. If you want. I, yeah. I, I honestly don't care. Like, whatever makes you happy. What's true to you can be can be false to me. So like, it, it's not, it's. Like what if I said that it's true? My truth is that you don't exist. Does that mean you you no longer exist? I mean, if that's your truth, sure. I don't. Because but, it's. But like, you do. Well, I mean, if you're saying that I do, then I do. Well, but even if I said that you don't, you still do because we're we're having this conversation. I mean, are we? I think so. I mean, I thought... That's what you think. Well, I should have known it would be hard to define reality in Hollywood. You know, not one of those people ever addressed or answered the question. It's none of my business. I honestly don't care. Whatever makes you happy. If you say I don't exist, then I don't. Wow, yikes. Now, if you're wondering why all of this kind of evasion is evil... Here's Ayn Rand to explain why. Quote, Men have been taught that knowledge is impossible, skepticism, or that it is available without effort, mysticism. These two positions appear to be antagonists, but are in fact two variants of the same theme, two sides of the same fraudulent coin, the attempt to escape the responsibility of rational cognition and the absolutism of reality the attempt to assert the primacy of consciousness over existence. Thinking is man's only basic virtue from which all the others proceed, and his basic vice, the source of all his evils, is that nameless act which all practice but struggle never to admit. The act of blanking out, the willful suspension of one's consciousness, the refusal to think, not blindness, but the refusal to see, not ignorance, but the refusal to know. It is the act of unfocusing the mind and inducing an inner fog to escape the responsibility of judgment on the unstated premise that a thing will not exist if only you refuse to identify it, that A will not be A so long as you don't pronounce the verdict it is. The spread of evil is a symptom of a vacuum. Whenever evil wins, it is only by default, by the moral failure of those who evade the fact that there can be no compromise on basic principles." End quote. More from Matt Walsh's What is a Woman? coming up next on this side of the bumper. Two more translogical and utterly irrational representations of what's going on in today's universities. While on the return side of the bumper, Matt Walsh actually found a doctor who actually does have a relationship with reality. I should probably look to the place where truth is the foremost pursuit. The American University.
what we do in, in gender studies is not just reduce gender to what psychologists might call individual differences, but rather thinking about gender, and that's not women and man, but gender as a, as a social form, something that kind of infuses itself into virtually all aspects of social life. Let's talk about that then. Uh, I guess we should start with, we've got gender and sex, right? Yeah. What, what's the difference between the two? Is there a difference? I saw that in your questions and I thought, my goodness, this is what we spend an entire semester kind of thinking through. But what we tend to think about in the social sciences today is that sex refers to a set of biological characteristics and gender is a social construct or category. What I think is often misleading about that characterization is allowed to be sort of messy and complicated. But in that framing, when you split them up into these wholly discrete constructs, studies scholars, and, and really more specifically people who study gender and sex, we're not talking about sexuality right now. In the kind um, of academic universe that I travel in is that we see how deeply gendered ideas, um, cultural ideas about masculinity and femininity, maleness and femaleness, both in humans and in lots of other animals. So are gender and sex two different things, or? Well, I think that they, they both are and they aren't. I'd be, I'm comfortable saying that gender and sex are, are two different constructs, but they're deeply intertwined with each other. We're talking about gender and, and sex, and there's a lot of controversies there. If we're talking about a trans woman has all of the male physical characteristics, so would that not be a male then? Couldn't, couldn't we plainly say this person is a male. Well, wh well, I guess it's, it's like, wh why are you asking the question? I think I, I, wa I wanna understand sort of why that's so important. So if someone tells Just you- Just to, uh, to sort of understand reality, you know? Well, I mean, I think when someone tells you who they are, you should believe them. So if a person says that they're a woman or they're a man, then that's them telling you their gender is. I'm, I'm not so sure why, what social, um, interactions would have to do with with maleness or femaleness that would well, be I'm not even talking about social context I'm just I'm just trying to start by getting to the truth you know yeah I mean I'm really uncomfortable with that language of like getting to the truth again in social why, why life is that, why is that uncomfortable because that it sounds actually deeply transphobic to me um, and the if truth? You, and, and if you keep probing we're gonna stop the interview I if I probe I, about what the truth is you keep invoking the word truth, which is condescending and rude. I'm saying is, to you... How is the word truth condescending and rude? Why don't you tell me what your truth is, and you're walking on 30 seconds more of the ice before I get up. What my truth is? Well, I don't think I really have a truth. I think that there's just the truth, like the reality. And so we should begin by trying to figure out what the reality is. Uh-huh. And why are you concerned with when someone else tells you that they're a man, or even if they use the word male, why are you concerned with not believing them? Well, you keep bringing it back to, you know, how do you respond in a social situation? But That's what I do. I'm a social scientist. Well, right. But we're in a university. This is a place of understanding truth, isn't it? Or... Absolutely, we, are, we pursue the truth, the truth, and so I'm a social scientist, and that's what I well, do. you just said the truth is transphobic. Th that you would say, that you're, if you're saying the truth is that I get to say, you're not a man, show me your genitalia, that's transphobic. No, no, yes. I don't want to see anybody's genitalia. I, I, I just mean, someone can make a statement about themselves that could be untrue. Like, for example, if I, 
If I were to say that I'm a black man, could you, would you accept that or would you be skeptical? Are you black? Are you African-American? Are you biracial? I don't think so. Yeah, well, you don't look that, and I don't think that's a, it doesn't sound like that's a genuine statement of who you are. Okay, so that's my point. I, I could make a statement about who I am that's incorrect. Of course, I think it's well established that human beings can lie, yes. Or not even lie. I mean, I could just be mistaken. Yeah. I'm uh, not sure where you're going. I guess this all comes back, just, it all comes down to really one question. Um, especially women, gender, and sexuality studies. So, so what, what is a woman? Why do you ask that question? I just really like to know. What do you think the answer to that question is? Well, I'm, I'm asking. That's why I came to a college professor who, who's... This is your, this is what you do. What other kinds of answers have you gotten? A lot of like this, where you're, where you're not answering, and I've gotten a lot of that, so. I think it's interesting that you, that you say that some of the people you've, you've um, interviewed have been um, reluctant to answer it, and I think that has a lot to do with the way, the questions that preceded it, and the, the way that you've conducted yourself in the interview. How have I conducted myself? How do you think you've conducted yourself? You, you <laughs> You just really don't want to answer the questions, do you? I, I came today very willing and, and enthusiastic about answering questions about women's and gender sexuality studies, which is so the you wanted that to, I do. you wanted to answer questions about women's studies, and so shouldn't the, the first answer you should be able to provide is what exactly is a woman? Well, it's, it, for me, it's, it's actually a really simple answer, and that's a person who identifies as a woman. But what are they identifying as? As a woman. But, but what is that? As a woman... Do you know what a circular definition is? I do. It's sort of like what you're doing right now, where a woman is, is a woman. Because mm -hmm. well, you're seeking what we would call in my field of work an essentialist definition of gender. I think it sounds like you would like... I think it sounds like you would like me to give you a set of biological or cultural characteristics that are associated with one gender or the other. I'm not seeking any type of definition. I'm just seeking a definition. Yeah, and I gave you one. Well, now I can say I've been to college. Male gametes. That's what makes me male. No, your, your sperm don't make you male. Then what does? It's a constellation. In reality. In truth. Okay. Whose truth are we talking about? The same truth that says we're sitting in this room right now, you and I. No, you're not listening. If I, if I see a chicken laying eggs and I say that's a female chicken laying eggs, did I assign female or am I just observing a physical reality that's happening in the world? Does a chicken have gender identity? Does a chicken cry? Well, Does chi a chicken commit suicide? Let's frame it. Because you're talking, you're trying well, a chicken to... chicken has sex like any, like any biological organism. A chicken has organism. an assigned gender, but a chicken doesn't have a gender identity. So we assign female to chickens when they lay eggs? That's a, we that's... assume they're female if they lay eggs. Is Lupron chemical castration? Yes. We're giving it to pedophiles, aren't we? We're giving it to people that are dying, and we're giving it to kids telling them that they were born in the wrong body and it's completely safe. One of the drugs used is Lupron, right? Which, mm -hmm. 
has actually been used to chemically castrate sex offenders? You know what? I'm not sure that we should continue with this interview because it seems like it's going in a particular direction. Well, you're a medical professional. I am a medical professional. So you don't want to talk about the drugs that you give to kids or? Again, I'm a physician and I use medication. You're choosing exploitive words. Drugs I give to I'm, kids. I'm choosing a chemical word that was in a dictionary. That's not a correct term for puberty blocking. I, mean, I could like look it up person. on my phone, but I'm pretty sure if I looked it up, like, you you can look it up on your phone. It says medical definition: the administration of a drug to bring about a marked reduction in the body's production of androgens and especially testosterone. And I'm saying, as a pediatrician who takes care of hundreds of these kids, when you use that terminology, you are being malignant and harmful. I mean, there are some who would say that giving Chemical castration drugs to kids is malignant and harmful. It's about the context of caring for a child and, and seeing the, the suffering that kids can have that have not been in affirmative home situations. Dr. Grossman, thanks for talking to us. You're a psychiatrist, a medical doctor, and you've done a lot of work in child psychiatry. What is transgenderism from a psychiatric standpoint? The best way to approach it is by speaking about gender dysphoria, which is an intense loathing and discomfort with one's biological sex. They exist anywhere between one in 30,000 people and one in 110,000. It's important to distinguish those people from what's happening much more recently, which is kids that never had any um, discomfort or dysphoria, as it's now called, with their biological sex. And then quite suddenly, as preteens or as, as adolescents, they come out and they announce that they are gender fluid or they, they start to question their sex. So first, let's define the terms sex and gender. Yes, please. Sex is biology. Sex is unchanging. It's based on chromosomes. 99.999% of the cells in the body are marked either male or female. Gender, on the other hand, is a perception. It's a feeling. It's a way of identifying. It's, a, it's an experience. Okay, that's, that's subjective. It sounds like what you're saying is that if a man is male but thinks of himself as a woman, he's not actually a woman? That's correct. Now, I was told that Really, everyone agrees with the current approach to gender and transitioning kids and all of that. And if you don't agree, that you're a dinosaur and a bigot. So are you a bigoted dinosaur? I'm not bigoted and I'm not a dinosaur. I am rooted in reality and in science. Whose reality? There's one reality. And apparently... Only one professional doctor who's consciously attached to it. (laughs) 
You know, when the male university professor complained that Matt was seeking an essentialist definition of women, he was in fact equating essentialist with real or actual. And in concluding that a woman is a woman, he clearly demonstrated just how hardwired he was to the very reality he was denying. He was unwilling to define woman without using the word itself meaning it was a clearly understood concept by him. You know, that unmentionable essentialist definition. And in making this argument, he let us all know that he himself knows that he is lying. Just getting to the truth. I'm uncomfortable with that language. Truth is transphobic, he asserts. Why? How? No answer. The answer, of course, is that the truth would reveal that being transphobic isn't even a thing. You're choosing exploitive words like drug and medication when you use that terminology. You're being malignant and harmful. Why? How? No answer. And again, the answer, of course, is that these terms are harmful to her criminal applications of deadly puberty-blocking drugs. The audio bites I've selected today from the What is a Woman documentary were all basically from the first half of that documentary. The second half got into the medical malpractice issue of altering people's gender and sexual identity and into the history of how unbelievably evil people were behind all of the equally evil gender theories now being foisted on innocent children. In fact, near the end of his documentary, Walsh addressed a public school board in a one-minute presentation. They tried to muzzle me by not allowing me to speak. And when that didn't work, they tried to muzzle me with a mask. I would thank you all for allowing me to speak to you tonight, but you tried not to allow it, yet here I am. Now you only give us 60 seconds, so let me get to the point. You are all child abusers. You prey upon impressionable children and indoctrinate them into your insane ideological cult, a cult which holds many fanatical views, but none so deranged as the idea that boys are girls and girls are boys. By imposing this vile nonsense on students to the point even of forcing young girls to share locker rooms with boys, you deprive these kids of safety and privacy and something more fundamental too, which is truth. If education is not grounded in truth, then it is worthless. Worse, it is poison. You are poison. You are predators. I can see why you try to stop us from speaking. You know that your ideas are indefensible. You silence the opposing side because you have no argument. You can only hide under your beds like pathetic little gutless cowards hoping we shut up and go away, but we won't. I promise you that. Wow, there's a guy who knows where he stands. You know, if getting a proper definition of a simple word like woman is this difficult to get out of people, consider the challenge involved in far more complex concepts, like, for example, vaccines, where even more child abuse is involved. You know why most people never explore the science of epistemology? You've heard the saying, you can't handle the truth. Small wonder, any falsehood is demolished by truth as the whole ongoing COVID scandal repeatedly shows us. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but three young doctors in a Mississauga hospital died of sudden doctor death syndrome in one week after getting their fourth deadly injections. Why did they die? 
because the truth was hidden from their view, either by others or by their own self-denials. On July 23rd, Steve Kirsch tweeted, Will physicians ever speak out, or will they continue to shrug their shoulders and refuse to look at the data showing that these vaccines are the biggest scandal in medical history? And to his own tweet was attached an additional tweet by Brian Lenkes, MD, who wrote, quote, We are past the point of being able to shrug our shoulders and say, That is strange, to ourselves and walk on. Three physicians at the Mississauga hospitals have died this week. First memo, Monday. Second, Tuesday. Third, Thursday. Cause of death wasn't shared in the memo. But how many times have three doctors died in one week, days after the hospital started administering the fourth shot to staff? This, in addition to the physician who worked at North York General who died this week while out running. How many more coincidences will people accept? These shots need to be pulled, end quote. And the people who push them need to be held accountable. You know, the epistemological battle isn't just about gender and sex. It's about everything in human life. By denying reality, those responsible for terrible consequences and harm to others are attempting to avoid that responsibility and liability for any of the damage. And you know, given some of the comments heard, it seems to me that all we have to do to defeat the left and all this subjectivism, to terrify them to the root of their being, is to drop a bunch of dictionaries in their midst. <laughs> to them it would be the ultimate act of violence, which itself is a word that consequently they would be unable to define objectively if they equate definitions, disagreements, and truth with violence. By definition, violence is an act of physical force. Acquiring knowledge is not an act of physical force and therefore cannot be violence. And ironically, though quite logically so, the use of physical force is a primary necessity for all those who operate on the primacy of consciousness. Just look at every thug, bully, and dictator in the world today, anywhere. The principles we've applied today to the fundamental issue of using correct and objective definitions to discover the truth apply to every possible human circumstance and condition. When it comes to the COVID scandal, simply understanding the definition of the word vaccine could have saved thousands of lives and avoided many serious illnesses. The war we are currently engaged in is far more than just an information war, though it is that. But all conflicts and competitions for power involve a deeper war of definitions. You've heard it many times before. Define or be defined. Another binary with no middle-of-the-road options available. Kind of like the choice you'll be faced with when you ask yourself, will you or will you not? Join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. Either way, until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white, under the bedclothes, everything will be Hi, Annie. What's the general doing in there with Clink? The only reason you kiss me is to get information from me. Come on, honey, that's not true. There are other reasons. For openers, I'm a man, you're a woman. Hmm. 
It's about all I remember from those training films. What about the general? The only thing I know is that he pinched me. At least we know what he likes. 